Live from Brooklyn, New York, this is Stay Busy with Armand Sadler. Gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Stay Busy with Armand Sadler, where we have responsible discussions on the music business and the music culture. I am your host, head honcho, vegan chorizo poppy, the captain of the Munch Militia. Um, I, I Honestly, I'm, I'm going to just stop the monikers there because I think that's more than enough. And obviously, you see the baldy is shining as it always does. I'm very excited to be here with you listeners. So thank you for tapping back in for season four. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel for all visual episodes, YouTube shorts, past episodes, past busy sessions, or you can subscribe on your preferred audio platform. Leave a review, a like, a comment, share, tell your friends, engage with us on social media at Stay Busy Pod. If you want some exclusive content, the podcast only fans, hit the Patreon, patreon.com backslash Stay Busy Pod. I want to give a big thank you to Yolanda Hosky for joining us to finish off Busy Black Businesses Month. But we are here for one of my favorite months that we have celebrated throughout our four seasons, Stay Busy Women's History Month, our fourth iteration of this, celebrating what I deem the backbone of music and entertainment, the women. They are the tastemakers. They are the hard workers. They are the organizers. They're the people that we need when we ain't doing shit right. And so we're here to celebrate that. And of course, I got to shout out the team. Nick Early in the building, executive producing at a high level, as only he does. Kieran Hurley, not here, but here with us in spirit, the VP of everything, the man that you cannot see, but you can feel. Shavonda Shields, our VP of engagement and communication. With Women's History Month in mind, I want to give a special shout out to Siobhan for everything she is doing on the show. You are, like, I, I, I'm sure you listen, you're part of the team, but you are a gem to us. We appreciate you very much. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for all that you will do and continue to do for us. And I hope that you are celebrated. Um, drink a lot this this month. Just And to, to take a day off, too. To take a day off. Days off are good. Take a day off. But the reason we are here, we're kicking Women's History Month off with what I deem a superstar. So it was 2020 when Drake dropped Tusi Slide, and he had this one line. Obviously, you know, people made jokes about Tusi Slide and all that, but he had this one line, if they're moving shaky, we'll just do this shit ourselves. That line stuck with me. It's something that I can relate to. In a music industry that has silenced women or objectified them, it is especially refreshing to see them push through barriers and establish themselves as voices that we need to hear. One of those people is today's guest, who's got a knack for identifying that good shit, the platform she founded a few years ago. You need a DJ? She got you. You need a playlist? She got you. You need a review? She got you. You want to go viral on TikTok? I don't know if she can do that for you, but she could probably give you some tips. But the sauce can't be replicated. Like, it's, it's, it's hers. You, you, you got to develop, put your own seasonings in, you know, get your own sauce, all that. But 
Um, this woman has em- uh, emphasized uplifting the artists that may not get the recognition from all of these big platforms who all cover the same mainstream names. And her work has landed her in Forbes and Rolling Stone. Not to mention she put her pen to paper recently for Pigeons and Planes. Here to talk all things women in music, curation, and content creation. Welcome to the Busyverse, Annabelle Klein. Hi. Thank you for that intro. Oh my gosh, that was incredible. <laughs> no problem. It's it's what I do. It's what I do. But it was it was easy to I mean you you have a lot to 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 write about and introduce and we're going to get into a lot more, but it's pretty easy to write. You just go to your LinkedIn, go to your Instagram. It's all there. <laughs> it's all it's all there. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. How are you? I'm doing so good. How good. are you doing? I'm well. Thank you for asking. You're probably like the third or fourth guest who's asked me how I'm doing after I ask them. And it means a lot. It sticks with me. Of course. Yeah, no, of course. <laughs> Got to make sure everyone in the room is feeling good. Got to have good energy in the room. Yeah. Absolutely. How has Women's History Month been for you so far? It's been lovely so far. I just feel like I uh, I have a lot of male friends, especially. Like, I moved to New York a year ago. Mm-hmm. And most of the friends I've been making have been men, which is great. But recently, especially in the last month, I've been meeting so many incredible women. Mm-hmm. So Women's History hit- Women's History Month has really just started with me being surrounded by like so many loving female friends, and good. I'm seeing a lot of support for female artists around me. So I'm just feeling good. Awesome, awesome. I can't get wait to get into that. Before we do that, we got to jump into whether you like. So whether you like headphones in ear or over ear, Halloween or New Year's, albums or playlists, and tenacity or patience. So are you an in ear or an over ear headphone person? I am an over-ear headphone person till I die. Okay. I think they're kind of a cute accessory, mm. um, and it just feels more cozy, and I feel like the noise canceling is better. Facts. Yeah, yeah. I I think when I'm like listening to music, I prefer over-ear. Um, I just recently got some AirPod Pros that are in-ear, um, and it's good for like when I'm working out. They don't, you know, fall out like the the first generation AirPods. They get real sweaty and they'll fall out. Yeah. So in-ears feel a little more secure, but there's nothing like a good over-ear, feeling like an earmuff, just bumping like Beats Pros or, or whatever. So I feel that. Uh, do you like Halloween more or New Year's? That's a really tough one. I love both holidays because I feel like Halloween, I love dressing up and getting festive, but mm-hmm. New Year's, like, I love the symbolic, like, rebirth of, like, a new year. Yeah. I'll probably go with Halloween, though. Mm-hmm. I think it's more fun to celebrate. What were you for Halloween this past one? What was I for Halloween this year? That's oh my my boyfriend and I were um, we did Star Wars characters. He was a Jedi, <laughs> and um, I was what's her name? Padme. I was Padme. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Not too familiar with Star Wars, but I'm sure it was fire. You're gonna have to like send us a picture so we can splice it into the video so people can see yeah what y'all were looking like. It was a really fire costume. Nice, nice albums. Or playlists like well what are you listening to in in your leisure time i know you listen to a lot of music regularly yeah i would say albums just mm. because uh i feel like it's a more intimate experience when it's like an album mm. that uh, an artist put together and it tells one particular story mm. it really depends on what mood i'm in like you yeah. know me like i i love playlists it's my whole thing but yeah. I'd, I'd say albums yeah I, I find myself making playlists more for other people than for myself like i don't really listen to a playlist often or maybe in the gym but most of my leisure time i get on the bus to come to the city put an album on let it run through if i don't finish it i'll finish it on the way home um because yeah i don't know i I like the the whole sequencing the 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 collection of intentional music that an artist made rather than kind of going from one place to another in a playlist Um, but i mean i I try to sequence my playlist too but albums are typically more intentional in that way so i'm an album guy now tenacity or patience how do you approach 
life? Like, are you are you kind of patient? Did you kind of let the game come to you, or do you just are you a go getter? Like, you go get it. I feel like I am so in the middle, but mm. I feel like to me, patience is more important. Mm. A lot of the people that I look up to um, in music and just in life are all really good examples of patience and taking your time. And mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in like slow, steady growth. Yeah. So although tenacity has been very important to my journey um, as a creative, as a leader, I feel like patience is going to be like the most important part of uh, my journey as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I can feel that. I find myself in the middle too. Like I'm definitely a very tenacious person. I've chased pretty much every opportunity I've gotten. But some I wasn't ready for at the time. Some weren't available at the time. So you have to be patient for certain things. So I agree. Yeah. I'm I'm if you could combine those words, what would it be like ten tensions? Penacity. Penacity. Yeah. That might be the title of the episode. Penacity. Penacity. I'm like with it. that. I like it. Awesome. Like it. Awesome. Can you give us a fit check? Now I like I said, when when you you know, I stalked the Instagram, I saw you're you're into a lot of, you know, premium luxury fashion brands. The 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 Telfar bag you came in with. Like let let the streets know know what you got on. Um, I got the Uniqlo fit on today. We've got some like Uniqlo dark denim, um, the Nike Lahars on the feet, my favorite shoe right now, and also the Uniqlo fleece, nice. purple. Um, I just got my birthday nails done because it's Fire. my birthday next week. All right. Um, so I got the nails and I got my that good shit ring on. Mm. Very important. You got rings. Okay. Yeah. That's what I got on today. Nice. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Let's jump into this chat. So this isn't necessarily music related, but I, I wanted to talk about it because I felt like as creators, and people who have, you know, risen within what we do. Like, this is something that we can relate to. So, Michael B. Jordan is on the red carpet at uh, the Creed 3 premiere, and he runs into this interviewer um, who he actually went to high school with. And she asks him some question, and he says, like, oh, something about, like, am I still corny or something? And to, for context, for those who aren't familiar, uh, the interviewer, her name was Laurel. She went on some podcast. And the person that she was talking to, Dominique the Diva, um, had called Michael B. Jordan corny. A very nice corny guy. They were talking about his relationship with Lori Harvey. So he remembered that. And so he runs into this woman, and he brings up how she called him corny. Um, they had, And she was like, oh, no, you're misquoting me. He was like, no, I heard it. And then they kind of just finished the interview. Like, things kind of went fine. Um, but the internet went ablaze about it. Like some people thought he was being rude to her. Some people thought he was justified in, in, in how he felt. Like, were, were you aware of that situation? Well, what did you think about the whole corny Michael B. Jordan discourse? I was aware of it. Um, I didn't think like, I think people on the internet love taking any moment and mm -hmm. just like making a whole entire thing out of it and yeah. everyone choosing sides. So when I actually like went and did my research and saw what happened, I was like, I feel like this is a very small deal. It's really not that big of a deal. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, if you're going to go on a podcast and call someone corny, like you have to be ready for them to like pull out the receipts and be like, you called me corny. But yeah. also Michael B. Jordan is one of the most famous people in the world. Mm -hmm. He gets a lot of criticisms, I'm sure. And I'm sure there's a lot of people on a lot of podcasts talking shit about mm -hmm. Michael B. Jordan. Um, so I think it was like a funny moment. I think the internet just made it way more than it needed to be. Yeah, people were like spilling out their whole lives like, oh, people called me corny in high school. I remember that. I'm, I'm hanging on to that. And, you know, I think that really speaks to them. And kind of you have to like move on from that. Like I know for me personally, when I was in high school, like that there were people who didn't treat me the best. And I've actually had conversations with some of them recently where they've like apologized to me for bullying me in high school. And I was like, well, you didn't have to do that. But like, thank you for growing up and kind of acknowledging that. Like some of us, a lot of us in high school, we 
whether it was our mindsets, things we did to people. Like, we, we weren't our best selves in high school. We're going through puberty. We're growing. We're trying to figure out college and pimples and shit. Like, we're just dealing with a lot of different shit. So, like, you know, like, we're, we're not we're not our best selves. But, like, the the projection from people on the internet about the situation was kind of a bit too much. Like, I, I don't think you should be holding on. And granted, some people go through some traumatic shit in, in high school. And that, that stuff sticks with you. Like, for me personally, and I'm, I'm kind of joking, but I'm kind of serious. I didn't get any superlatives in my high school yearbook. And I was pretty pissed about that. I played sports. I was in the chorus. I was, I was pretty cool. I was like, I can't get best personality or funny or something like that. But I don't care that much. Maybe. But, like, besides that, it's like, I, and I'm only speaking for myself, but, like, I don't really hold on to things like that because, I don't know, it's just weird to move through life thinking about your haters or your naysayers. And while it's natural, it's just, like, that's kind of the wrong fuel to put into yourself. Like, yeah. I'm I'm not doing what I do to shit on people I went to high school with, but I, I do what I do because I love it. And so holding on to that stuff and letting it be a battery in your back was just like it was it was a really weird part of this discourse like it went on too long it was like yeah. a week of this conversation i was like yo are, are y'all serious like joe budden like had a whole rant about him and everyone was saying he was mis mistreating the woman like he was joking with her to be honest from what i saw so. yeah he was just being silly i mean bullying is a super real thing yeah. and uh you know who knows like michael b jordan maybe like had issues with bullying in school that like we didn't mm -hmm. know about and that might have like struck a chord with him that you know we're not aware of yeah um but, you know, again, I just think it was made way bigger of a deal than it needed to be. Yeah. Um, it was it was kind of silly. And I mean, like, maybe, like, corny doesn't have to be, like, the meanest thing. Mm -hmm. Like, what was the context in which, like, they really meant corny? Like, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, like, discourse is just, it's just too much. Like, find something to do. Go uh, go outside. T I promise you, if you go to, like, a bar, no one's talking about this thing. Literally. Worry about I your don't. own life. Also, like, the news does not need to be covering this. Like, yeah. this is really not, this is not the most important thing. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I mean, if you're going to talk shit about someone on a podcast or call them something mm -hmm. and they pull the receipts on you, don't be surprised. Be ready for that. You be got prepared. to. You got to. Uh, Metro Boomin sold a portion of his publishing catalog for $70 million to Shamrock Capital. We know Shamrock Capital because they um, own Taylor Swift's Big Machine. Um, and we've been seeing a lot of different people selling their catalogs recently. Future uh, sold his catalog, Justin Bieber, Dr. Dre, and there's there's like a lot of discourse around it. I don't really think it's that complicated. Like ultimately these people who are still active within their careers are going to be making more music. But if there's a bag to make right now, sell that catalog and get that money. Like, I don't, I don't really think there's more to it. <laughs> no, literally like they put in all of this work to build, create that music, build their whole empire of what they've got. And then they're able to make money that they can live off of forever from mm. that. Like do that. And it's also like, it's not like these artists aren't ever making music again. Like you said, like they're yeah. going to keep making music and building their catalog. So if they've got like future has so much music, Justin Bieber has like a lifetime's worth of music. If you want to sell that and make a huge bag, do that. And for Metro Boomin, like he's put in so much work to get where he's, at like especially yeah. that last album like he cemented himself as a legend mm -hmm. and so if he is gonna sell his uh sell his catalog and get like a lifetime supply of money for that like mm -hmm. that is within his right good for him yeah it's like there's two sides to it you can own your masters and pass that down to your fa your family your kids your grandkids they can make or you can make a big bag now and do things with it now so i, I like people like this who have reached points in their career there's really no bad direction to go 
Um, so yeah, salute Metro for everything he's done. My my professional friend Metro, who I've interviewed. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, 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 the slights. Like I mean, it's, it's not JID or Smino like you, but you know, it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Metro Boomin's so great, man. Yeah. I like I I've been listening to Metro like I grew up listening to like Metro produced beats, mm-hmm. and so and especially that last album. Like I remember seeing the album trailer and just being like so blown away. The rollout was amazing, bro. Uh, the fire coming out of the oh, it yeah. was so cool. So yeah, yeah good for him. Like, uh, and it's not like, it's not like his, uh, catalog is the only way he makes money. Exactly. You know, like, so there's a lot of other ways for him to make money. So yeah, get he's your been bad in Metro in commercials and stuff. Like he's, you know, Metro's out here. He's, he's a Swiss army knife. So yes. yeah, very happy for him. Uh, Brent Fiaz doing it for the ladies. So he and his team are giving away $10,000 grants to 10 black women who own businesses to give you some details on this to enter you have to create a one minute video explaining what your business or startup is by answering the following questions one what is your business or startup who does your business serve what is a challenge your business has had to overcome in the past how will the show you off grant which the grant is called help you get started or scale up your business um so i think this is great um you know obviously a lot of these people can get to positions that they're in and really focus on themselves. And Brent, despite what people think about his content, he's always done things for the ladies. Like, I remember uh, my friend Kemet interviewed him and like Brent's listening party, it was like only women. And he had like them getting pampered and getting massages and stuff like that. Like he's he, he very much so caters and treats women well, despite what his content has, the, the label his content has given him. So um, I just thought this was really cool. I, I just wanted to highlight it. Um, yeah. I think it's so amazing, like, especially for Women's History Month is the great thing to be doing, but specifically supporting, like, black women who there are so many barriers for black women to, you know, get where they want to go starting a business as compared to, like, white women. And, you know, uh, I just think it's a really great thing to be doing. And I think uh, I'm excited to see who wins the grants Mm -hmm. and how that money can help bring some really amazing ideas into the world. You know, like, all of the incredible black women in my life are, like, so creative, so innovative and... I'm just excited to see like all of the new ideas that are brought into the world because of these grants. So shout out Brent Fias for caring about the women. Absolutely. Like it's beautiful. Absolutely. More things to celebrate. De La Soul's back catalog has been added to streaming. Uh, it was added on March 3rd, uh, coincidentally the 34th anniversary of their debut album, Three Feet High and Rising. Six albums in total have been added uh, to streaming platforms. And this is like, it's a bittersweet time for them. They just lost True Goy um, in February. He was having uh, heart failure issues over the last few years. So, you know, while they're mourning the loss of someone, they're celebrating the fact that they're they're free. You know, they had some issues with Tommy Boy Records. They really try to do them dirty with the business, take most of the profits from their music. And so for a while, they obviously couldn't put their stuff on streaming. But De La Soul is free. Their music is free to listen to. Um, so that's, that's a really exciting time. We've seen, you know, the music business can be very predatory. A lot of these older artists were signed young and signed to shitty deals and then trapped within them and fighting, you know, to, to get their music out, to put new music out, to just be free. Um, so love to see this, especially for a legendary group like them. Um, and hopefully, you know, like all these other music industry execs who have people in these very fucked up deals can maybe get inspired and, you know. 
like do right by people. I sure hope so. And I'm excited for all the people that may not have listened to De La Soul that much before. It's been on streaming. Like I admittedly, I, I've never been like a huge De La Soul listener except mm-hmm. for like the more popular songs. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited to delve into like delve into them more deeply now. I also saw a tweet earlier that's like y'all are excited about De La Soul putting their stuff on streaming and getting like point oh 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 three cents per stream <laughs> and stuff like that. So there's that side of it as well. Yeah. Um, which is a whole other conversation. But yeah. I'm really excited about it. Like super, super excited for them and for all the hip-hop fans that are eating right now yeah absolutely like the the day it was up like all the all the instagram stories i was i was scrolling through like seeing people put their spotify sharing it to their stories stuff like that so it's like cool like streaming is, is a convenience like that's that's the exciting thing about like when little wayne puts a mixtape up on streaming or you know one of those soundcloud lucy's goes up on streaming it's just like these are the apps that a lot of us use the most so now you can just access it easier yeah the money thing like you said a whole other conversation but just be, being able to access music that you love yeah. um and the fact that they wanted it there but they couldn't do it uh it means a lot to them so very happy to see that speaking of streaming and the power of it the weekend Starboy is back in the top 10 of the billboard 200 now weekend Starboy dropped in 2016 november 2016 i remember where i was it was a big topic of conversation in the chapter. Nick is looking at me right now. Like, we used to argue about the weekend, Starboy, him doing pop, all that. But a almost five, seven, I'm sorry, seven year album, almost seven year old album is in the top 10 of the Billboard 200. Yeah, and he just recently dropped the Die for You remix with Ariana Grande. Uh, that was going crazy on TikTok. Um, so, again, the power of these apps and streaming, the fact that you can remix a song that's almost seven years old and that can push your album back to the top 10 of the billboard 200 it's it's crazy yeah like, it's the power of the apps and it's the power of ariana grande yeah like all of my friends who are ariana grande stands which like i feel like the entire world is like we're definitely a huge reason why this happened as well like yeah. ariana grande is just such an incredible talent mm-hmm. i love her so much like yeah. uh, i'm not a huge pop listener but ariana grande is just like so special and the weekend is just like a he's like one of the biggest superstars like in the whole world and yeah. so i'm just so excited to see where he's at now mm-hmm. and even seeing like like an old such an old like song resurface mm-hmm. and be back at the top like i remember when the weekend like first dropped like mm-hmm. i was in high school and just seeing how he's grown now has yeah. been really crazy and this song is like this remix is going to be playing in like every shopping mall yeah. every store every radio station like for the foreseeable future and i'm here for it because i'm yeah. still not tired of that song no it, it was what's one of my favorite weekend songs he's ever made um for years like the scissor remix to that was getting teased so i think people were disappointed that it was Ari- uh, ariana and not SZA but Ariana did her thing on it like it's a really good verse she's an amazing singer like she's not gonna really make a bad song or not sing well so I I really enjoyed it um speaking of the weekend I want to ask since you're here and you brought up you know old weekend like how do you feel trilogy is aged over it's been out for like what 11 12 years now like how how do you feel like trilogy is aged oh I feel like it's aged beautifully Mm. I feel like uh We've all lived so many experiences with it now, so just being able to listen to it and have it feel nostalgic is really cool. Like, I remember listening to Trilogy for the first time and it just feeling, like, super, like, dangerous and, like, edgy. (laughs) And now just listening back to it and just seeing how, um, like, I feel like I appreciate that style a lot more because it's before the weekend went more down like the poppy route mm-hmm. um so yeah i think it's aged like fine wine i still mm. listen to it all the time mm. it's like such a special project do you like the weekend evolving into a poppy guy you can be honest i like that for him <laughs> and mm. i like that for like he deserves it yeah. i don't listen to the weekend nearly as much as i used to oh, wow. um just because i feel like 
I hear them all out and about everywhere. And I'm mm. just like, again, not a huge, like, more pop listener. Gotcha. But I love that for him. Right. Like, he, he worked really hard to get there. He's super talented. His voice is so unique. And I mm. love, like, the world-building aspects of all of his stuff. Like, the Don FM yeah. album and the way that was put together was super cool. So, like, huge fan and admirer. I don't personally listen as much as I used to, though. Gotcha. Okay. I respect that. It's like a debate I get into with people a lot. Um, a lot of people, Trilogy is their holy grail for him. You know, it's, it's the darker, druggy, more woozy stuff. And his new music is a bit brighter and obviously like more 80s dance type stuff. And some people, you know, just don't like that, which I get. I, I, I like the evolution a lot. Um, Dawn FM was my favorite album of the year last year. Um, so I'm, I'm always curious, like people who are in, in music and work with artists, like what's your perspective on, are, are you a trilogy weekend fan or are you a Dawn FM after hours Starboy weekend fan? So let's jump into some new music. So one of my favorite artists, I am not afraid to be biased about this. I love this man. Uh, Black dropped a single, Since I Have a Lover. Um, it is the title track for his album, Since I Have a Lover, coming out March 24th. How'd you feel about Since I Have a Lover? I really, really loved it. I was listening to it on my bike on the way over here, like really beautiful soundtrack music. Yeah. Um, I feel I feel like this album is going to be something really special. Mm. I could just tell he poured his heart into it. Yeah. He was really singing. Um, mm. And I'm just so excited to see him make his return. I've been listening to Black since like the very beginning, mm. and... I missed him, so I'm yeah. excited. Yeah, I'm, I love that you said soundtrack music because literally as I was walking to work playing it, just looking up at all the tall New York City buildings, I was like, this feels like like one of those songs where you're like walking, like let's say you are walking, like someone's walking to a big job interview and you're just like, I feel like you would just hear this as yeah. someone is walking through a movie. Um, but yeah, I love I love when Black does upbeat stuff. A lot of people have tried to pigeonhole him into the sad boy, mellow type stuff. And he's been working on like music th theory and instrumentation over the years. And obviously he took a long break since East Atlanta, East Atlanta Love Letter. And with this song, it's like, okay, you're coming back with something different. Like you, you went away for a while and he wasn't fully away. He was doing a lot of features and he gave us Six Piece Hot in 2020. But like this album, uh, and I've, I've heard it early, um, it's it's really good. It's it's really good. It's it, it's very very good. And he really he's really evolving the sound. Um, I, I love the writing here. I mean, obviously, Nick and I have debated this a lot whether he's a rapper or an R and B singer. And I I love that he fuses his rap flows within his his crooning. Um, but since I have a lover, like it 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 really doesn't sound like anything he's ever made before. Yeah. Um, like I know he had that song Seasons with Khalid that maybe is comparable, but this one like. The, the instrumentation and you know the tempo of it the cadences all that like it's it's different it's different like it's something that i can see transcending the what i would think his fan base is like i think he's very rooted within hip-hop and r&b but i think this is something that can really transcend to other fans of other genres um so i'm i'm really excited uh for the album for everyone to hear the album um i i love it i, I absolutely love it i've listened to it every day since i you know, happen to come upon it. Um, but yeah, Black is, he's that guy. He's that guy. I, I really think he's one of like the top acts within this era of R&B, hip hop fusion, whatever you want to call it. Like, I, I really think he's, he's one of the best um, writing wise. Yeah. Um, everything. Like he kills all his features. So. Yeah. He's definitely one of the ones. Also, I feel like the way 
that song ended, like the outro of it, I know the transition into the next song is going to go crazy. Like, I feel like there's a lot of cool transitions in this album. There are. Yeah. There are. I love that. Like, trans- like good transitions throughout albums is yeah. like candy to me. Yeah, yeah. So I love, I love that he took his time with it because you can tell. You can absolutely tell uh, with the attention to detail. So, yeah. Uh, Nicki Minaj dropped Red Ruby to Sleaze, uh, which, so, and we were talking about this off camera, like, just what, as soon as you play it, immediately recognize the sample. Lumi D's Never Leave You. You feel like you're transported to 2003. And you're just like, uh-uh. It's just like, it's one of those songs that's going to go on forever. Like It's kind of like Wayne Wonder, No Letting Go. Like You hear it at a party and you're just like, yes. like This is it's forever. This <laughs> Timeless. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely timeless. But the way Nikki flipped it and turned it into you know something where she could really get her gritty flex bars off like I, I, th- I thought it was a really good great song like this is probably the best song i've heard from nikki in quite some time to yeah, be honest i really enjoyed it i feel like i just love hearing nikki go in with the power like automatically especially yeah. over an iconic sample like she's been getting into that bag recently like yeah nikki girl also yeah um so i definitely really enjoyed the sound of it i have my like opinions about Nicki minaj mm-hmm. you know but strictly just speaking about like the vibe of this song and how it made me feel like i'm definitely excited to just like bump this around my house like mm. on the treadmill you know it's just uh it's Nicki Minaj like doing what she does best yeah I mean if you don't want to say it I will throwing shots at Meg the Stallion at this point very weird very weird no need for that like absolutely unnecessary I you know and that, that, that's Nikki's kind of her own worst enemy in that way like she gets caught up in the drama and the, the spiciness yeah. and all that but like and it didn't take away from the song. I really like the song. I'm just like, why? Like, why Why did you have to throw that shot at Meg? Like, Someone's feeling It just doesn't threatened. make sense to me. And then comparing herself to Carl Malone, the very problematic NBA player who's had inappropriate relationships with underage women. Like, there, there's other similes and metaphors you could find. Like, if you know, if, if you know basketball, you compare yourself to any other, uh, any other player. But, um... You know, Nikki's Nikki. She's gonna she's gonna sneak in some some pettiness, some mm-hmm. some spiciness, and she's gonna stand ten toes on her problematic lines. But um, you know, like I said, Red Ruby to Sleaze, really great record. Like I, you know, I I've definitely been listening to it, even if those few lines I'm watching, I'm kind of roll my eyes at it. You just yeah. like you roll your eyes. At we're it, just gonna but. we're just gonna like not listen to that part <laughs> and then just like listen to the rest of the song. Yeah, yeah. Um, J Hope and J Cole. On the street. Um, now, I'll, I'll be honest, and I don't want BTS stands or anyone to jump me. Like, I really don't listen to K-pop at all. Um, I got familiar with J-Hope this summer because um, he dropped his own solo album. And so seeing J. Cole jump on a K-pop song, uh, artist song, I was like, holy shit. Like, all right, Cole. Like, this is, this is a big move. We don't... I can't think of any big rappers who have done this... Before Cole mm-hmm. jumped with K-pop artists, I'm like, all right, shit, Cole, like this is really dope. And feature versus J Cole, as we know, like he he goes crazy on his features, and so this song felt like it's like a really inspirational song, like almost like a coming of age yeah. type of song. Like I don't know, something that I hear and I I, I want to like achieve something. <laughs> like I don't, I, I want to do something. Um, and I love that J J Hope rapped in like both english and you know um korean as well and then cole coming in and talking his shit like i i think he threw a shot at billboard and vibe saying like you know if this is a top 10 list i'm looking at it like a golden corral i understand cole i i would have ranked you higher if it was me but um i love hearing cole talking shit like that's the most enjoyable part i think wongo i don't know if you know wongo Khan, but he he tweeted one day he was like i love when cole raps like 
he's he's not broke. Like to talk about the money you got, like talk your shit, flex, Cole. And so yeah. I I really like the record. Definitely. I also like I don't ever listen to K-pop, but I thought it was cool. Like I definitely love seeing the blending of the worlds because mm-hmm. you know like K-pop globally is like the biggest thing it's ever. Massive. It's massive. And yeah. so to see someone like J. Cole hopping on a song with like a prominent K-pop artist is really exciting. I definitely mm-hmm. agree. Like feature Cole, like he comes in and he does what he needs to do. Every and I time. love hearing Cole. Like, like I couldn't I, I couldn't agree more with you. Like I yeah. love hearing Cole talk his shit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know if it's like a song that I'm going to be like putting on my rotation regularly mm-hmm. just because, again, like I'm not a huge K-pop listener. Yeah. But like I love that for J. Cole. I love that for the K-pop stands and for the percentage of the population that are K-pop and J. Cole stands. Mm-hmm. Like, this is really, like, uh, this is, like, the Avengers coming together for them. Yeah, especially because, like, J-Hope looked up to Cole his whole career. Like, uh, I think Jordan Rose at Complex did an article where, like, BTS named one of their albums after Friday Night Lights. And then, like, J-Hope named a song after something to do with Cole. Like, there's a whole timeline of, like, their relationship. And then they met. Mm-hmm. And then they, you know, did the record together. So I know that was huge for J-Hope. And, like, he's he's huge as is. J. Cole is huge as is. So coming together, it's like it's like when they did the Jimmy Neutron to, to Timmy Turner uh, collab on Nickelodeon. Like, like the That's So Raven, <laughs> Hannah Montana crossover. Yes, like, crazy will, crossover yes, episode. Yes, exactly. Like, it's just like, wow. Like, uh, like my friend Regina Cho, she was thrilled about it because she's Korean. And she's a huge J. Cole fan. So right. she's like, what the fuck? Like Cole being the first rapper to do a record with a K-pop artist? Like it's, it, it's, it's just dope on so many levels. Like this is the really dope shit about music is seeing your favorite artists do other things that you like. Like not just sticking to one thing. Like for, like when Drake did, honestly, never mind. I love that because I grew up loving that type of music. Um, you so. loved honestly, never mind. Uh oh. No, I'm like excited about that. Because, oh, I was about to say. No, 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 no. I'm, not, I'm not coming for you right now. I feel, I feel seen. Like people, people are bullying the hell out of me for loving. Honestly, never mind. And I love that album. Okay, cool. This is why. We're, this is why we're here. We're here. I, we're I, here. I think it's an A name thing. Like, yeah. We're we're just the best because we're at the top of the list. We are. The alphabet. But yeah, yeah honestly, never mind. Is fantastic. What, what are your favorite songs on there? I really love Sticky. Mm. I really love Massive and Flights Booked. Flights Booked is fantastic. Flights Booked is so good. Like, and I was making the best summer memories to that album. Mm. So it also has like such deep value to me, like with the memories it's attached to. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, it, it being a surprise project, Drake going in that direction. Like, I, I can praise honestly, never mind, on and on and on. But I tell my girl all the time, like, we drove down to Jersey Shore during the summer and we played that album the whole way and just singing along to it, like looking at each other, being all romantic. Like, no, that's so it's beautiful. Real. Like, I was falling <laughs> in love this summer too. Like, me and my boyfriend were on like one of those electric scooters in LA, like mm. listening to flights booked in our headphones. And, and, and you're actually like, in California. Like, wow. Yeah, like, we had just got off the flight. I'm like, oh, it's like definitely like a falling in love in the summer type album you know what you're we're we're just we're here we're so connected right now i see you yeah we're here um and lastly don toliver lovesick like how how do you feel about don toliver as a whole i like don toliver i feel like i've never been one to like really dive into his discography Mm -hmm. um he has a couple songs that i really really love um and i think like his ability to make music that is very spacey and like psychedelic feeling uh is really unique Mm -hmm. i love the song with Justin Bieber is what I'm hearing the most talk about. So, like, Justin Bieber Private getting landing. back into, like, his journal sound. Yeah. Was, I'm, like, 
a day one Justin Bieber fan. Me too. I'm not gonna front. I I, I had Bieber fever coming up. I did. I, yeah. I had Bieber fever. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm the, not a, I'm not ashamed to say it. Yeah, big Bieber fever. I'm yeah. in the Justin Bieber movie, the Never Say Never movie. You're like in it. Yeah, I was interviewed at a concert. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. So me and just, I have like the lore, like me and Justin Bieber, but I really enjoyed that track wow. on the Don Tolliver album. I think in general, like the features he had were crazy. He had like mm. Toro Imoa, Tizo Touchdown, Tisa Korean. Mm. Like he really had a really James great Blake, James Blake, Brent Fires. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was, it's a really expansive album. Like he's taking it in a different direction. I think it would be easy to pigeonhole him because he's under Travis. And granted, like they're both very versatile but similar to you like i love that he he really tried a lot like bus stop with brent kind of had like a jersey club feel to it baltimore type bounce to it and then um private landing with future is just like more of your like trap rap type track but still dope and hearing future in that pocket and bieber stepping back into you know the bag that we love him in and mm-hmm. uh the the, the tizo touchdown song is actually probably my favorite song from yeah, the project right now it's a great song yeah. i really love it i think like tizo and don toliver is i didn't really expect it but it makes a lot of sense now that i've mm-hmm. heard it yeah absolutely so um while i don't know if i would say this is better than like he- heaven heaven or hell from 2020 i think it is better than life of Don from last year mm-hmm. but like i think that still the expansion i'm seeing it feels intentional um and yeah it's 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 a pretty easy straight through listen um the the the, the deluxe put it at 20 songs total which is kind of just i think at this point we just accept like we're, we're getting 20 song albums yeah, and you I'm pick you it. pick out what you like but don is really good at what he does um and he's continuing to kind of hone that ability so i've been listening to lovesick a lot um i think it's probably my favorite album of the year so far that and the Lil yachty project mm-hmm. um but yeah i, I really enjoyed lovesick so speaking of music let's jump into the slide deck you can put your headphones on and i saw on the uh that good shit linkedin that you um you all are the number one frank ocean fan yeah all right well i think that you're going to like what our little uh song break is before we get into the slide deck the best song wasn't the single but you weren't either living in all right so we have our first slide deck of women's history month annabelle what did you bring for us to play i brought you an amazing song by Liv. Um, I think it was Ghost yeah. that I sent. Yeah, it's off her new album, Girl in the Half Pearl. Liv is like my my favorite, favorite, favorite artist of the last couple years. And I think it's just such a cool song. Cool. All right, let's hear it. Thank you. 
right. And that was Ghost by Liv. That was um that was dope. I like that. I, like I was I was wondering where I was where she was going to take me. Yeah. Uh the progression of it was really dope. It was yeah. it's like like chaotic but in a good way. Yeah. If that makes sense. 100%. It kind of sounds like all hell is breaking loose. Yeah. And then she has like as a huge like fan and listener of Liv, knowing how peaceful her voice can sound, mm. it sounds so crazy when she starts like screaming yeah. and just going insane. And the song also sounds really beautiful in the context of the whole album. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love her so much. And this was self-produced too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's okay. Great. I, I got to listen to the album because I definitely want to hear like what precedes it, what comes after uh, Ghost. But um, that was dope. I love that. I love that. I've I've always been like a fan of other, like, obviously rap and uh, R&B are, like, my loves, but I was listening to Alternative growing up and Screamo and Emo and stuff like that, and there were a lot of different elements I- I within that song um, that I love. Like, the musicality of it I thought was great, too. Like, the piano coming in at the end was great. So, yeah, yeah thank you for sharing that. That was Ghost by Liv, produced by Liv. Um, my song, I brought a song by the name of Greens. This is by Mel, and this is featuring Kai Cash, and it is produced by Don Julio Ortiz. So let's jump into Greens. Want you to spend it all right now. Cause who said that love don't cost a thing? Either you got it or you don't. All I wanna know is, are you gonna spend it enough? I feel it when you spend it. Who said that love don't cost a thing? Either you got it or you don't. You don't. Are you gonna spend it enough? You never met a girl like me. Had you open instantly. Make you give it all to me. Your energy, your currency. I need it all, I charge a fee You say you bought and throw some D Fence and throw some money at it If you really got the means then it ain't a problem If you really about your greens then show me your garden If you really got the keys go ahead and drive it Actions a lot of damn words now Show me how far you go right now mm. Want you to spend it all right So let me guess, it's my time and my money you need. I see it clear, but you sound dumb to me. What? Just being real, cause if I fuck with you deeply, them bags in that brand new Dior, that release could be yours. Make it easy, but you insist. Pressing by what you could get. I can't even remember your first name. I'm like, who is this? Told you it was tight, it was right, but your vibe wasn't. Why would I give you all I got? You don't provide nothing. Cool. And love don't cost, that's a cheap date. Got me fucked up, might have to leave you on a freeway. Knew you for like three days and shit ain't get no better, but I bet. All the money that you act just like every bitch I met for real. Want you to spend it all right now. Cause who said that love? Alright, and that was Greens by Mel featuring Kai Cash, produced by Don Julio Ortiz. How'd you like Greens? I really enjoyed that. Good. That was 
I thought it was kind of funny because she was just like, uh, who said love don't cost a thing? Mm. Buy me nice shit. <laughs> and I love that for her. <laughs> like, uh, I really enjoy that. She has a beautiful voice. Yeah, too. yeah. I met Mel a couple months ago. Sweetheart. Um, I know she's been working hard. Kojo actually manages her as a shout out to Kojo. He A&R'd that record mixed by Kev and Preach. Um, engineered it but um yeah she did like a whole instagram live talking about how she's trying to manifest a man with money and it's like you know like we don't want you don't want a broke partner like you want somebody with some money so it's fine and this woman's history month so like spend some money on, on mel like she she wants the greens but um yeah, yeah I, I i think she sings really well as well i love more up-tempo r&b we talk about this on the show all the time like i, I love r&b to death and it, a lot of it kind of feels the same these days. So when you get an artist who prioritizes something that you can play in a social setting that'll kind of get you moving, it, it just, I, I love it. And so this is something, like, I've seen it played at brunches and different events and stuff. And, um, yeah, I think it's great. And Kai Cash, the feature artist on there, great pocket for him to rap on. Um, so, yeah, really enjoyed Greens a lot. So shout out to Mel, shout out to Kai Cash, Kojo, the whole team. Um, and if you listeners, if you want to hear these slides and previous slides, you can hit the Stay Busy Slide Deck playlist on all streaming platforms. And if you want to send us one, whether you're an artist or a fan who wants to put us on to some music, hit us at Stay Busy Pod on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, or email us at StayBusyPod at gmail.com. You can take your headphones off now. All right. Now let's get into you. Um, where did you grow up? Like, I, I know you went to University of Oregon, but you're probably not. Are you from Oregon? I'm not from Oregon. Where are you from? I'm from the Los Angeles area. Oh, nice. So my parents lived in, like, two separate places. So I grew up between Santa Clarita, California and Ventura, California. So, okay. like, the suburbs and the beach. Nice. And then I went to high school, like, around the valley, and I was always, like, in L.A. doing stuff. Mm. Okay. And what was five-year-old Annabelle doing? What did she want to be when she grew up? Five-year-old Annabelle? I think that was when I either wanted to be Hannah Montana or I wanted to be an astronaut. Um, I had a lot of like really big like dreams of what I wanted to be when I grew up. But I like I genuinely wanted to be Hannah Montana. Like I was trying to convince my parents to like buy a stage for me to like put in my house and perform on. So yeah, or astronaut. Did you like play instruments or sing or you just kind of watched her on TV and you were like, I, I just want to be that. I was always like really into singing when I was a kid. I was mm -hmm. always like putting on concerts in my room and <laughs> I played, I had a ukulele that I like tried to play, but I mm -hmm. couldn't coherently play. When I got a little older, I learned how to play piano. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. And as you navigated through like middle school and high school, getting older, kind of learning yourself a bit more, like what, like around when did you know you wanted to go into music in some f form or fashion beyond being Hannah Montana? It is such a complicated story because like I I was a music fan since I was a kid and as I grew older I became more and more of a music nerd and music lover and I always especially when I would go to concerts I felt this like deep craving in my soul of like I want to get as close to this music as I can like I want to be the person behind the scenes like I would always fight to get to the front of the pit to like feel close to the musicians but I never actually pursued going into the music industry like I when I went to college I kind of gave up on my dream of working in music because I was just like I don't make music I don't have the experience and so I, I got a degree in something entirely different. Like I did a degree in environmental studies and philosophy and I was going to go to law school and do environmental justice work. <laughs> and then I accidentally became part of the music industry when I started making TikToks about music mm. as a fan. Right. But it all like clicked for me because that was really my dream. And I like about a year before I got into music, I was having an existential crisis 
that I gave up my dream of working in music mm. and that I would never be able to make it happen. And then the universe made it happen anyway. Yeah. So that's my answer to that question. You mentioned yeah. concerts. Do you remember the first concert you went to? The first concert I ever went to was Jimmy Buffett. Okay. With my dad. Nice. And I had like a, a balloon parrot hat. Mm-hmm. And I don't really remember much of it, um, but like I grew up with the dad who was like a surfer, mm. and so we were always listening to like the Beach Boys and Jimmy Buffett. So Jimmy <laughs> Buffett was my first concert. Gotcha, gotcha. And what made you want to start like making uh, music uh, content on TikTok? And like, what what were you doing at first? Like, were you doing the reviews? Like, what? what how did your path begin on TikTok? Yeah. So like. All of us, I started making TikToks when we all got shut down for quarantine mm. in 2020 because yeah. <laughs> I had nothing else to do. And, like, my first, like, moment of TikToks was just, like, me doing stupid TikTok dances with my roommates. I made a couple, like, ranking my favorite Frank Ocean songs mm. and stuff like that for fun. But the first TikTok I made that was music-related that really went off was one night when I got really high with my roommates. And uh, I made a TikTok that was, like, what his favorite rapper says about him. Because we were mm. joking about how you can, like, generalize men based off of what music they listen to. <laughs> Um, and that was the first video that really went up. So I did, I think, like a 20-part series of what his favorite rapper says about him. Mm. And then from there, it kind of branched out to, like, more playlist-related stuff, mm. like uh, recommending artists, talking about favorite songs from different artists that I listened to. So that's how it all got started. Yeah, I, I saw you did, like, a variation of that with uh, Earth Gang, like, what your favorite Ghetto God song says about you. So it's cool that you found some continuity and way to, like, evolve beyond that. Um, but I kind of want to play a game with that that concept in mind like i want to i'm gonna throw out some artist names and like on the spot you're gonna tell tell me like what that person's favorite artist says about them so lucky day we got a lucky day fan in the room so what is what is what is a guy's favorite artist being lucky day say about them lucky day fans always smell good um, uh, that checks out <laughs> that checks out they know how to accessorize yeah and um they probably like are really into skincare. I, like I think that checks out, too. All right. She's three for three. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go uh, Miguel. Miguel. They're like a... They flirt to the point where it's a little corny. Ooh. Like, you know, they Oof. just go... They just put their toe over the line a little too much sometimes. Mm. Um, it's insightful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but they mean well. Like, okay. they're not, they're not like, creepy. They're just, like... Oh, they just flirt to the point where it's a little, like, cringy. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, how about black? Black. Um... They make silent moves, you know, they really, they, they're just like introverted, they stay inside, but like every time they speak, they say something like weirdly deep and insightful, mm-hmm. um, and they're good people, they're nice, and they respect women. Mm. Okay, nice, nice. Uh, J. Cole? J. Cole, um, he's on therapy TikTok. Like his for you page is a lot of like a, like TikTok therapists, <laughs> um, and J. Cole fans let everyone know they're J. Cole fans. They do. Like, their their entire Twitter feed is all, like, J. Cole stuff. They're definitely, like, heavy on rap talk as well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool, cool. Good to hear. But, so, yes, you, you start making TikTok content. You start going crazy with it. You're evolving it. And you decide to make that good shit in 2020, correct? Yeah. 2020. I, I started making TikToks at tw- in 2020. That good shit was started like, at the very top of 2021. Gotcha. Okay. And what made you want to take it from just something you were doing that you were gaining a following to like making it a platform, a recognized platform, and eventually like using it to uplift other people? Yeah, I think so. I had been toying around with making like a music 
Instagram before I even started making TikToks. Mm. I made this uh, Instagram called Playlist, and I was just posting, like, weekly playlists, and then it kind of died off. But once my TikTok started picking up at the end of 2020, um, it turns into the beginning of 2021, and a lot of people on TikTok are asking me to make them playlists Mm. to the point where I'm like, I could start charging for this, so why don't I start a business? Mm. And then I was thinking of a name for, like, my the Instagram for this playlist business. And I was with my sister and we were just trying to think like, how do I characterize the music I listen to? Cause like, I really only listen to just like good shit. Yeah. And then we looked at each other <laughs> and we were like that good shit. Boom. And it all made sense. <laughs> so that's how it started was a, uh, like as a custom playlist curation business. And then it mm. also kind of became a blog over time. I was just posting about the music I liked. Yeah. Um, and I've always been like a fan of listening to more like underground artists. So once I started posting smaller artists, people realized that it was also, a platform for uplifting cool musicians absolutely now putting the business aspect on something that you were doing for fun like how has that changed it has it because i know like a lot of people say your hobby is like don't try to commercialize them just keep them as hobbies but what you were doing was something that could change the people's lives and people's careers so like it made sense to make it into a business like have you noticed things have changed things that maybe like you dislike about kind of running a business or has it kind of all just been gravy for the most part it's been really gravy i will say like it's definitely changed like playlist making for me Mm. like i rarely make personal playlists anymore because i spend so much of my time making playlists for other people but every time i go to make a playlist for someone like i get an order for a playlist and i'm like uh like i have to make another playlist like i'm kind (laughs) of tired of this I start getting into it, and then every time I sit back and I'm like, damn, I'm so good. Like, (laughs) I'm so good at this shit, and, like, I really love it. So it's definitely, like, um, it has, like, worn me out of making playlists a bit. But once I get back into it and start making a playlist for someone, I rediscover how much I love it every time. So I definitely think it's true that when you monetize your hobbies, it changes your relationship with them. I listen to music differently than I used to because now, like, uh, I'm kind of always expected to have an opinion, and it's hard to listen to music and – like not automatically break it apart, analyze it. It's kind of like I compare it to when you go to college, like I was a minor in philosophy and I had to read so much. I couldn't read for pleasure anymore because all I could think about was like breaking it down, taking notes and stuff like that. So that's how I feel about like the way I listen to music now. Recently, I've been um, being a lot more present when I'm listening to music and like trying to get back into listening as a fan and not as a like critic. Yeah, um, but yeah, it definitely has changed a lot about my relationship with music. It's tough. I I feel you on the like people coming to you for your opinion thing, and like I, I me and Nick talked about it last season. Like people will kind of weigh how they approach the music based off of what I say about it. I'm like, I'm just one person. Like, yeah, I write for what I write for, all that. But, like, if I don't like something, that doesn't mean you shouldn't like it. Like, you know, you can give it a chance. Maybe you'll grow to like it over time. But I I kind of, especially when I, like, go into, like, social settings and I'm just trying to chill, I, like, I, I don't want to, you know, critique mixing or engineering. Like, I just want to vibe out. But everyone's like, yo, Armand, you hear the album? Or, Leo, like, this song, what do you like? But I'm just like... I, I'm just here to chill. Like, <laughs> I kind of want to take the journalist hat off right now. So yeah. I definitely feel you on that. Yeah, like, y'all, you listen to that album yet? I'm like, uh, I'll go to an event and I'll literally get like 10 people asking me, like, did you listen to that album yet? And on one hand, I'm so grateful that people look to me for like my opinion because I've always like thought that I had a really like good taste and yeah. 
actually seeing people value that means the world to me. But I'm also like, when I listen to music, I listen to it very emotionally. And it's a lot about like how the music makes me feel. And sometimes I feel like I don't have the vocabulary to like give a proper review of what I think about it because it's really more about how I feel. So sometimes I get like stressed out knowing people are going to ask me what I think about a song and I'm listening to it, trying to like formulate the words to how I'll explain it to people. Yeah. What do you look for in the artists that you uplift? Like, are you like a story person? Are you just off of vibes? Are you like, what what do you look for in someone that you're either going to like make a post about or the various things that you offer, like booking them for a show or like, how do you, what do you look for in artists? I think I really look for like intention. Mm. Someone who is really making music with a purpose, like, um, and expressing their individuality. I like music that doesn't sound like they're trying to be like somebody else. Um, someone who just comes and presents like a new fresh idea that makes me feel something I've never felt before. For me, like Pharrell said this in an interview with Rick Rubin, but he was like, if I can't like, um, what is it? He's like, if I don't feel anything when I'm listening to music, I don't know what I'm listening to. And that's so real. Like for me, the number one thing I really look for is like intention and emotional impact. Mm Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with that. Like, there's a lot of stuff that, like, I can acknowledge it sounds good, but it doesn't make me feel anything. And that's a really important distinction to make, like, because that's the music I grew up on, like Usher, like, listening to You Got It Bad in my room. Like, I felt something listening to that, like, listening to, you know, all the other songs on 8701 or even, like, listening to Lil Bow Wow. Like, I don't know, like, I guess relating to a child rapper. But, you know, nowadays, especially with the, the game being so saturated and a lot of people trying to do the same thing, a lot of the music, yeah, it's cool, it's good, but it doesn't evoke something from me. And that's, that's something important. Like, I don't want to sound like an old head is like, this music sucks. I don't think music sucks, but it's just, I think there's that lack of feeling and intention. Like yeah. people are kind of just doing what's going to get them on rap caviar yeah. or get them a number one, but what's going to like change the world. What's going to change how someone feels. You yes. Know? Yeah. Yes. I'm like, what's <laughs> going to make an impact. What's going to yeah. change the world. It's so true. Like, uh, Exactly like you said. There's a lot of objectively good music out there, mm-hmm. but it's like where like when there's actual intention behind it, you know it's really gonna like impact music moving forward. Mm-hmm. That's when I'm like really excited about it. Yeah. So being a viral c- creator for years, like throughout that process, building the platform that you have, like have you felt like you've been embraced by the music industry obviously like artists and the people who follow you embrace you but the music industry can be very weird towards people who build independent platforms because we have these established structures like if you're starting a your own publication there's already rolling stone and vibe and all these other places where like you know it's people kind of go off of the name recognition and the social proofing so for you like do you feel like it's been challenging or there have been barriers for you in building that good shit to the place that it's gotten yeah I feel there's a balance of like I've had such an outpouring of support from a lot of amazing people in the music industry Mm. people have been like really excited about that good shit supporting me giving me amazing opportunities I also think like with the rise of TikTok become being like one of the music curators that was I think, like, kind of one of the first to start coming off and, like, really doing it well. There were people before me who, like, really started it. But, like, being one of those music curators that was helping to start stuff up, 
people were really excited to get involved in that in the music industry. So that was really fun. But yeah, at the same time, there's definitely been barriers. Like people definitely want to take advantage of you and your platform yeah. and will just like bother the hell out of you if you don't <laughs> post this song they want you to post. Yes. Like they will, they will. <laughs> it's crazy. But um, yeah. And also just like it's definitely being a woman in the music space, especially talking a lot about like uh, like hip hop music, mm -hmm. like people get real mad about what I have to say. Yeah. Um, everyone is entitled to their opinion and I also do not know everything. Like I really just talk about like what the music makes me feel like. Yeah. But I've had a lot of times where, you know, I'm posting certain videos and people are just saying the meanest, most terrible things. And I know people tear me up on Reddit. Like uh, <laughs> I, I never go on Reddit and search my name because I'm scared, but people tell me that there's some really crazy shit about me on Reddit. They are leaving on Reddit. I haven't seen anything about you, but I just know in general, like, when you reach a certain point, the Reddit community is nuts. So yeah. <laughs> I can unfortunately imagine, but yeah, yeah. stay off of there. Yeah. Definitely stay off and of there. I really just try to focus on the positives. Like, you know, I'm there's many barriers out there and many people who may not like me, but I really just try to focus my vision on who is fucking with me, who is supporting me, and being grateful for that, and that is the only thing I need to concern my energy with. Yeah. Um, so I really, I love the, the mission of that good shit, like elevating artists who deserve that platform, but you've also had the opportunity to be recognized by some big platforms and interview some big artists, Mino, J.I.D., Earth Gang. How did those come together? Was it like a natural social media thing? Was it like teams, you know, the, the email pitching process? Like how, how did those things come together for you? Yeah. So the Earth Gang thing was like the first, I, that was like my first biggest opportunity was when Earth Gang asked me to come on their like mini album listening tour with them. That's fine. It was like the Ghetto Gods album got pushed back like a month or something. And so they went on seven free shows to play the album for their fans. And that was David Peters. Shout out David Peters. He works with Since the 80s, their management company. Yeah. And he just found me on TikTok, reached out and asked if I wanted to come. Like I just got a call and they were like, you want to come on tour with Earth Gang? So like they reached out to me wow. and I was so surprised. Dreamville, like their social media had been showing love. Earth Gang had reposted me before. Mm -hmm. um, so they had just been tapped in for a long time. So that first opportunity was really them just like reaching out and bringing me along for the ride and putting trust in me. I think I I think I might have been the first like a uh, music TikToker to be like brought on a tour. So that just felt like really cool and that's, special. That's fire. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was really dope. And then after that, JID was my friend at Interscope invited me to JID's release party and then they were like trying to set up the interview but like the night kept the night was really crazy obviously he was doing a bunch of shit so I was like ready to give up on getting the interview and then my other friend um who runs that really cool TikTok page the people gallery where they go out and like look at people's fits mm -hmm. he was there and he came up to me and he was like annabelle like if you don't make it happen like no one else will like you have to go up there and you have to like make that shit happen so yeah. i walked up to jid and i was just like can we please do this interview and we made it happen mm -hmm. and it's kind of the same thing for smino like i was at the show because of um like jid and jordan ward's team they they yeah. got me into the show shout out to them like best show ever um and smino's team was like trying to help me get the interview but i also like i had made that shit happen like i just stood in the back by the green room all night and i was like hey smino like can we please do an interview <laughs> and we got that to happen so it's a good mix of like um, people reaching out and giving me the opportunity, but me also like taking the initiative to like really get in there and do it. Absolutely, yeah. You gotta you gotta have that go getter mentality. Like, you know, some people will go to like the listening parties and stuff and just vibe out, chill. You know, the open bar and the food is great. Like, it is great hearing the music is great, but there is a lot of networking and building opportunities that you can do. And it's like sometimes you don't like. I know when I go to listening parties, sometimes I don't always want to like be in work mode. I kind of just want to chill. But you know, if you are like an upcoming, you know 
content creator, journalist, whatever, like there's a lot that you can make happen uh, in, in those things. And yeah, you can go to a show and pretend that you have a pass to get into a certain place and then get an interview out of that. Like I know a lot of people who have done that. Um, so yeah, there's, there's opportunity there. You gotta, you gotta kind of get, get clever with it and creative, but yeah. uh, that's, that's awesome for you. Um, and the, obviously getting covered in Forbes and Rolling Stone, like an independent music platform getting covered by Forbes and Rolling Stone. How, how did that feel like to get hit up? Like, Hey, we want to, we want to talk to you or, or, or we want, we want to do this. Like what, how did that feel? Bro, that felt so unreal. Like the imposter syndrome was actually insane. <laughs> like I had been doing this for like a little over a year and then Forbes reached out to me and I'm like, what are you even talking about right now? <laughs> but shout out to Riley Van Stewart. That's my friend who interviewed me for Forbes. He is one of the most prolific, incredible writers. Like he does these super gorgeous pieces on different artists like i remember he did a piece with umi a couple months ago and it's just like one of the most beautiful pieces of writing i've ever read so he he met up with me and we just had a conversation and built a friendship like over coffee and then that's what went into forbes and i just felt so blessed it felt so surreal like and rolling stone was it was a feature on this app called Discs. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the good people at Discs. Um, but they're like a really cool music discovery app that was featured in Rolling Stone. Um, and they interviewed me as one of the curators who kind of like helped push Discs on social media and was just talking about like the curator perspective. But for both of those things, I just felt like so incredibly be- blessed to be included, especially just like as such a big music fan. Like I've always felt like music and the music industry was this whole thing that was bigger than me and like mm-hmm. that I wasn't worthy of being a part of it. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and to just be involved in these conversations and put in these publications was the coolest opportunity ever, and I'm so, so grateful. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously you've gotten to have FaceTime, like get in person with these artists and with you know various people in the industry. I met you at one of your shows in April last year. Um, uh, I believe it was a Sunday Sound show, I believe. It was like we tried to bring our show Sunday Sounds to New York yeah. at a little bar, like the Sunday sounds in New York itself didn't really work out, but that particular show was really fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. And I met a lot of really good people. But like, how's it felt to take your internet platform and be someone who people are recognizing in person and kind of able to bring that community together? It has been so cool. Like the live events are definitely my favorite aspect of what we do with that good shit because I love seeing the community come together. Mm. I love how like safe and loving and warm it feels. Like all of our events are just full of like the dopest people who really, really appreciate good music. And especially now being able to have these events be also where like really dope artists pull up if not to perform, like, just to hang. Like, Jordan Ward really just be coming to Sunday Sounds and, like, hanging out in the back. (laughs) And it's really cool. I think, like, I've built that good shit really intentionally for people to know that it's a safe space. It is not about clout. It is not about, like, uh, I don't know. It's, like, really just about, like, the good music. And so whether it's the live events or, like, getting an interview with the artist I really look up to, like, there's the work of putting the event together. There's the work of like asking an artist for an interview, but there's the, it's mostly the behind the scenes work of really meticulously curating a platform where people feel safe and excited to be involved. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask like how difficult that's been, like putting shows together. We put together our event a couple of years ago and we did a lot of event planning in college too. And it's, it's, you go through a lot of hell behind the scenes to put together the great thing that people see, and it, it'll feel so relieving to get it done, but those weeks leading up and all the details and paperwork and money and all that, like, it's a lot. So for you, like, what's that process, especially finding venues in New York? Like, New York is huge, but, like, I, I personally don't know, like, how difficult it is to secure certain places, so I would love to hear 
Yeah. When I started throwing events, like my first couple events were all collaborations. Mm. So I've always like from the beginning worked with people and that's been really helpful for me. Like when I'm planning an event and I don't know what I'm doing to be able to go to someone and be like, I don't know how this works. Can you help me? <laughs> um, so like my first couple events were in LA when I lived there and I worked a lot with Green Tea Studios, which um, we have our Sunday Sounds events that we're still doing today. Um, so like when I first started off the event process, I was working with them. Neither of us had any idea what we were doing, but um, I'm really good at curating lineups. They're really good on like the business side. So we just kind of like held each other up and made it happen. Mm -hmm. um, and then moving to New York. Yeah, like booking shows in New York is really hard because mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff going on every night, like promoting a show and filling a room can be really, really hard. Um, but I just keep telling myself, like, if you put a good lineup together, people will come. Um, so I always like focus on putting together a really amazing lineup first and then using my skills with social media to promote the hell out of it. Mm -hmm. The business side is what I am not really great with still. Like I'm still like a learning how to make all of that happen. Yeah. Um, still learning how to like financially put on a show that doesn't make me like lose money. <laughs> um, but that's something I'm learning and getting better at. And uh, people come to my shows and they praise like everything looks amazing and goes perfectly. I still feel like I don't know what I'm doing, mm -hmm. um, but I'm trying my best. And people being supportive and loving the shows just makes me so happy. And I can say like over the past year and a half maybe like year of doing shows i feel like i've grown a lot as an event organizer mm -hmm. and i still got a very long way to go absolutely and i know you you manage some artists too like how how did you arrive at okay i have this platform i'm elevating artists i'm putting shows on but i, I kind of want to step into management too like well what was that that thought process and decision making process like yeah so i i really didn't think i was gonna get into management like mm -hmm. i really was like this is not for me but uh I was working at the time, like right when I started managing, I was working at Venice Music, mm -hmm. like a really, really dope distribution company. Shout out to Venice. You were a services intern. Yeah, I was a services <laughs> intern at uh, at Venice. And they did these panels like weekly or biweekly for all of the interns. And they'd bring on different staff members to speak on different topics on working in the music industry. And they had a panel about women like women in management mm -hmm. um and so there were some really dope managers on this panel and we got to ask some questions about management and right after i like right after i went to that virtual panel i was feeling just so inspired by these female managers i was like okay like hearing it from their perspective managing sounds really dope right after that like the universe planned it i found this kid named diz through mm -hmm. tiktok because he commented on one of my videos he was like listen to my music and I felt like doing it. So I listened to it and I was immediately blown away. And I had just never felt impacted by like an artist music like that. Yeah. And so I hit him up and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I want to be a manager. So like if you're down to ride with me, I'm going to learn how to manage and I would love to do it with you. Um, and so that's how that started. I've been managing Diz for like a year and a half now, I'd mm -hmm. say. I'd say. Um, and it's been going really well. That's the only artist I manage. That's the only artist I plan on managing. Mm. I don't know if I plan on doing much more management with other artists mm -hmm. at least for now um but diz is such a special artist we work really well together and we're really good friends mm -hmm. so yeah it's been really fun and what what have you felt like management obviously <clears throat> obviously you're very skilled in the various things that you do what have you felt like your adjustment process has been to go from just like all right like i'm putting people onto music so to i'm really overseeing someone's career 
you know, helping them with various moving parts. Like, what what's that adjustment process been like for you? It's just been learning a lot of new skills that I had no experience with before. Mm-hmm. Um, like, when I first started managing, I made it clear to, to Diz, like, my skills are, like, marketing and social media, and I don't really mm-hmm. know how to do anything else. But he's really smart, and he goes to Berkeley College of Music. Wow. So he knew a lot about how the music industry worked already and helped me learn. And as I was growing as a manager, I surrounded myself with a bunch of people who I thought were really skilled managers and I was just asking a lot of questions and I still do that like always asking questions and yeah I've just picked up little skills along the way like I slowly learned how to pitch and I slowly learned like what a distribution company is Mm -hmm. and I learned how to do splits and I learned how to plan a rollout and it's just little skills along the way every time Diz would drop music I would learn something new you know helping him book shows we're like traveling to do shows together now um so yeah it's just been like kind of like we talked about earlier patience pacing myself (laughs) not expecting myself to know everything right away and luckily, uh, Diz and I both have the perspective where we really just focus on the music first and we really just care about the music being good and people caring. It's like we're not trying to get on the billboard charts right away, mm-hmm. you know. And so, yeah, I've just been learning. It's been a, a beautiful experience. Yeah, and I've, I've seen some pics of you uh, behind the boards to you, you DJ. I'm learning to DJ. I'm very much a beginner. (laughs) I don't want to offend like the real DJs. Like Mm. I, I'm still like, I don't produce my own music or my own, my own like remixes yet, but yes, I'm learning how to DJ. Nice. Nice. It's fun. I've tried myself. I have virtual DJ downloaded. It's, it's been a process. Like maybe like a few years I'll, I'll I'll lock it down, but I I can do a couple cool transitions here and there, but but it's fun. It's really fun. Cause like, I'm sure you're the friend who, whenever you go to the kickbacks or the get together, it's like, yo, jump on the augs. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally what I was about to say. Like, I'm always the one on Ox, like, since high school. Like, yeah. I walk into the room, I'm the one on Ox mm-hmm. no matter what. And yeah. so being able to kind of, like, elevate that yeah. and throw in some transitions and actually be able to, like, be up in front of, like, a whole party or on a stage for a show and just being able to get people excited and control the energy in the room that way is really, really fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Where do you want to take that good shit from here? Are you doing a lot of great work? Very recognized platform. Like, your name comes up. Like, just random people I talk to, like, your name comes up. Like, people know you. You, you, you out here doing your thing. Where do you want to take that good shit next? It is such a mystery to me where that good shit is going to go. Mm. And I'm really excited about that. I feel like there is so much potential in that good shit. I know that right now my main focuses with that good shit are um, building a team and being able to have that good shit be active in multiple cities, Mm. putting together showcase events and continuing to build community. Um, I just see that good shit being like a widely recognized platform where anything we do, whether it be, you know, a show, whether it be an interview, merch, it's going to be like of the highest quality um, it's going to put you onto something new that you've never experienced before. Mm-hmm. And I really look up to platforms like Selection, who've yeah. done a really amazing job of building a community where like, you know what they're about, you know what their values are. All of their events are turned. All of the music they work with is dope. So I kind of just want to be on that similar level. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll see what we get into. It's really a mystery, but just know it's some good shit. <laughs> Well played. Um, What's your advice that you would give to someone trying to build a content creation platform? Because social media is, again, it's a lot of people trying to do what we do as well. Like a lot of content creators, whether it's music, whether it's whatever, a lot of people do reviews, a lot of people make playlists. Like how can you make yourself stand out? 
Yeah. I mean, everyone says it, but like, be yourself. It's really true. Just like, be yourself, be authentic. Like, in the moments where you cringe at yourself, those are the moments that are going to make you shine. Because, like, that's what sets you apart from other people. You know, I've had so many videos where I'm like, I'm not going to post this. Like, it's cringe. And those are the videos that blow up. Because they show, (laughs) like, the side of you that makes you who you are. You know, also definitely consistency. Like, you really do have to work hard. Um, And something I've been learning recently, like, my TikTok has been kind of like not doing so great lately and um i've been just kind of like analyzing my content and how i can you know take it from here and it's really all about providing value like you need to provide value to people like you can be cute you can be you can be funny you know but like you really just uh you need to be able to provide value to people like Mm -hmm. what's going to make people favorite your video what's going to make people share your video with Mm -hmm. someone else and be like oh you should check them out just really focus on what value can you provide that no one else is doing? I like that. I like that. Um, in the spirit of Women's History Month, uh, who and you mentioned a lot of women that you've met and worked with, so who, who are some women you, you'd want to highlight, like whether they're dope content creators, dope people in music, or even outside of music? Like, Who are some women that just you want to show some love to? Oh, my gosh. There are so many incredible women in my life. I can't even begin. First of all, I got to shout out, like, our staff writer at That Good Shit, Kat, is one of the most incredible writers. She writes the most in-depth album reviews, and she's like our first official writer we've brought on for That Good Shit. Nice. So big shout out to Kat. Um, she's a great DJ as well. Um, who else? I mean, all of the like women content creators around me who are doing dope stuff like... Um, Brooks from Soul, Sugar Joint is really fire. Elsie, um, who's another really dope content creator. I love her. Um, I have a lot of great like female friends in the music industry who are killing shit. Like my friend Remy, who works with 1824, like mm-hmm. absolute goat. Um, my friend Sam, who works with 1824, she's amazing. Uh who else like i'm surrounded by so many amazing women who are artists like my friend really real my friend linda diaz so amazing there's so many amazing women around me if i didn't mention you you know who you are but i'm just so grateful for like every woman around me supporting me that's amazing i know by the time the listeners hear this your pop-up show in la will have already happened but is there anything that our listeners or the audience your audience can look forward to in the coming months anything you want to promote yeah, well, the pop-up show will have happened, but the pop-up show is going to be really fun, and we have a secret headliner, so that'll be cool. I saw that. I was, I was like, oh, secret. Oh, yeah. Can't, well, can't wait to see what the, who that is. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have our next Sunday Sounds show coming on March 26th in L.A. Okay. It's a huge music festival. Well, by my standards, huge. Usually, mm. like, around 600 people, which is pretty, pretty that's, big. That's a good turnout. Yeah. People really underrate, like, even getting, like, 100 people in a room is a big deal. So 600 is, that's a good turnout. Yeah. So our our next Sunday Sounds show is coming March 26th. We're about to announce that in a couple of days, but really dope, like, underground music festival. We have a show coming up um, March 22nd in New York with Be Kool-Aid, which is Pink Sifu and Ali um, wow. on tour for their new album. So that'll be really fun. Um, planning another show in April. That'll hopefully be announced somewhat soon. Lots of exciting interviews as well. Um, that Good Shit is working on an interview series in collaboration with Pigeons and Planes right now. Nice. We actually just shot the first one this morning with David, so that was really exciting. Um, they're called the Pigeon Shit Interviews because <laughs> it's Pigeons and Planes and That Good Shit. Um, so look forward to those. Those will be really fun. That's awesome. What is one thing that you would uh, change about the music industry? One thing I would change about the music industry. That's a really great question. 
I feel like I'm still learning about the music industry. I still feel like a beginner. Mm. Um, I think I would love to see more women in roles of power. Um, and I would like to see like more enthusiasm. That's what it is. I'd like to see more unbridled enthusiasm because I'm yeah. tired of being in rooms where everyone just has like a straight face. I remember I went to, I had the opportunity to go listen to 07 O'Shea's new album in the studio with wow. her and favorite album of last year. Like mm. so incredible. Really and everyone in the room listening, love to everyone, like not trying to take shots at anyone or anything, <laughs> but everyone in the room just had like a blank face the whole time. Like no <laughs> one was jumping around. No one was excited. And yeah. I was in there like I could explode. Like I wanted to <laughs> dance. And I'm in a lot of rooms where people just try to act like too cool. Oh, yeah. And I think that just gets in the way of like the connection we could be having with each other. Absolutely. Because when you're in a room full of people who work in music, that is like so many passionate people, mm -hmm. but everyone just kind of has this vibe where they like are guarded. So I I would just like to change the way people act in those rooms. Like, let's be excited. Let's giggle. Let's get silly yeah. and have a good time. Yeah. Tyler, the creator had this uh, quote. He said in a hot 97 interview, he's like, if you're too, if you're too cool, you're going to freeze. Yeah. And yeah, like you got to thaw out, like be cool, be warm with people. Like that's music. That's what I love about music. It's this universal language. Like I love bad bunny. I, I know Spanish well. I don't know it that well. It's where I could translate his songs. But just being in a room with people who love the same song as you and singing along to it, it's just like you feel connected to them, like uh, the, that community aspect. That's my favorite part of music is connecting with people, speaking the same language, yep. even if you don't know the actual same languages. So I completely agree with that. Um, I think there are a lot of people who kind of get into it. And, and I myself have to, like, try to fight it sometimes, too, because I've had some great opportunities. I get to meet some really cool people. And it's like, you know, you kind of want to act like you've been there before. But at the same time, it's like shit is exciting. Like yeah. f a lot of fun stuff happens, like being on Zoom with a really legendary producer or being in a green room with a dope artist. Like you kind of just the, the, the kid in you is like, yo. You, you're here like this is great like yeah um so it's 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 a it's a tough balance because you obviously don't want to be like too crazy but yeah this shit is exciting like we we work in a really exciting field like there's a lot of shitty aspects to it but there's a lot of great stuff to it um, yeah so it's definitely about finding a balance i like i think balance is a perfect word like show your enthusiasm let mm. people know you're excited don't be like weird yeah. you know don't get like too crazy but yeah. you know like uh don't be afraid to show that you're excited and happy to be there yeah absolutely because i think and I, I talk about this a lot. Like, I really value the humanity of people. And people lose sight of the fact that we're all humans. Whether you're an A&R, an engineer, a publicist, a photographer, you're a human first. And humans connect with humans. You want to work with good people. It doesn't matter how talented you are. Like, I want to work with a good person. I want to connect with a good person. And so just by, like, valuing the humanity in someone else... Like, you can really get get something out of that. Um, so I'm, I'm really big on that. Like, before I even... I try not to like ask for favors a lot, but I literally just like in the room, just talking to people and introduce myself to people, um, asking them about things outside of music, like shit like that, which is a good transition. What do you do outside of music? Are you a video gamer? Are you a, I, you, you said you biked here. Like, are you like a competitive biker or is it just a hobby? Like just, what does Annabelle do outside of all the content creation and shows and all that? Yeah, I'm an avid city biker. Okay. So I bike everywhere. Um, I'm really into just like exercise. So I run, I go to the gym, 
Um, I'm really into like cooking and just like mm. health and wellness, really big into that. I wake up at like five or six AM a lot of the time. Like I'm very into like morning routines. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Like I'm getting back into reading right now, so I'm really enjoying like reading. Um, and I'm from like I grew up by the beach, so I'm really into like scuba diving, scuba diving and surfing and like swimming and water sports. And I again I am a Pisces, so I just anything involving water, like <laughs> swimming, that is my favorite. Nice, nice, awesome. Um, and lastly, I want you to put us on to some artists that we should be listening to. So, Annabelle, put us on. Tell us who who the street should be listening to. Let me know when to stop because I can go on forever. Hey, the floor is yours. <laughs> y'all need to listen to 454. Like, y'all really need – like, Fast Tracks 3, such a crazy album. Mm-hmm. Um, really love 454. Um, he's got, like, the blonded cosign, so, you know, like, it's really real. We love 454. Mm-hmm. Y'all heard that Liv song earlier, but Liv's new album, Girl in the Half Pearl, is – absolutely superb really incredible artist uh listen to swami sound aka the father of nyc garage like really taking like uk garage and blending it with like hip-hop and r&b in like really cool innovative ways um really really beautiful work with swami sound uh listen to diz the artist i manage Mm -hmm. like really incredible um jazz musician goes to berkeley college of music plays saxophone produces and raps over that shit and he's just absolutely prolific i love what he's doing um who else listen to tommy richmond i have you listened to tommy richmond before i don't think so tommy richmond is really like the future of music that kid's like a chameleon Mm. uh he can really do anything shout out tommy richmond is it like uh, is it rich like r-i-c-h-m-o-n-d or r-i-c-h-m-a-n uh, M-A-N. M-A-N. R-I-C-H-M-A-N. Cool. Love him. Uh, mine is My name isn't J-Mac. He has an album coming soon. Really love him. Uh, those are some, but there are many, many more. And if you want to check out all the artists I'm listening to, I have a playlist on that good shit Spotify called Small Artists Big Sounds. That's updated regularly with all of the dope small artists we are listening to. Amazing. Amazing. Um, well, yeah, like uh, that's a perfect transition. Tell the people where to find you, where to follow you, all all that good stuff, anything, you, that good shit, rather. <laughs> anything you want to promote. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Annabelle Klein with two E's. You can find that good shit on Instagram at that good SHT. You could check us out at that good shit music.com. Um, I'm also on TikTok at Annabelle Klein with two E's. Um, that's pretty much that's pretty much everywhere you can find me. I'm on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter. I'm out there. Just look. Just find me. You did, you, did you have to make it Klein with two E's because the name was t- taken already? Or yeah, gotcha. and my full name is actually Annabelle Kleinzillis. Like yeah. I have a hyphenated last name, but all of my usernames are Annabelle Klein. Mm-hmm. But Kleinzilla, Annabelle Kleinzillis is just a really long username. Yeah. So um, yeah, but it's Annabelle Klein with two E's because Annabelle Klein was taken. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Congrats on everything that you're doing. Um, Very inspiring as an independent platform to see an independent platform reach the heights that you've reached. You're doing a lot of things that we as a show would like to do. So I might be coming to you for advice um, outside of this. But, um, yeah, we kicked off Women's History Month with Annabelle Klein, giving you that good shit. Um, So, of course... Tap into everything that she's doing. Follow us at Stay Busy Pod. Subscribe to Patreon, patreon.com backslash Stay Busy Pod. Love women this month. Cash app them. Buy them a bagel, some coffee. Yeah. Pay for their city bike. Like, there's so many things you could do for the ladies. But most importantly, make sure that you stay safe, stay humble, and stay busy. Baby girl, baby girl, how you feeling? I've been out in the world, staying busy. Taking time, getting right if you miss me.
Man, I've been out in the world staying busy. Yeah.